Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. I am your host, David Dacry. I'm a hospitality professional with two decades of experience in the bar and restaurant industry. My pursuit in this podcast is to have difficult conversations of our industry and of society as a whole. All right, today's show, we're going to talk about something simple, cultural appropriation. And I'll give you my opinion on the questions being asked about the Rittenhouse verdict. But when it comes to cultural appropriation, I know there's nothing simple about it. And I'm going to try to give some guidance to people uh, who um, like to call cultural appropriation uh, on things that do not pertain to their group. And uh, it's a slippery slope. I get it. But uh, I mean, let me let me do my best. I'll do my level best to express my ideas on it. And uh, to give you an example. So recently I had this exchange with someone who thought that they were doing somebody a favor. And I really don't know who. The exchange was this. There was a group of people putting together an event. And I suggested to do a tropical uh, theme event. And uh, my idea was, and I was very specific, and I said, basically think of Old San Juan or uh, Old San Juan after Cane Camp. Those of you that are in the hospitality bar industry, and in particular, those of you in the cocktail realm of it all, you know what Cane Camp is. For those of you who don't know, it's essentially this event that is put together to fly bartenders out to Puerto Rico and they get to tour uh, the Don Q distillery. It's a rum distillery down there and they get to experience the Puerto Rican culture, tropical culture, true island culture, because you may have tropical, you know, subtropical weather, they called it here in Texas, uh, in part of Texas. But um, there's nothing like being in an island. So anyhow, that's what King Camp is. And that was my suggestion. And I got this pushback, right, that uh, I didn't really understand where it was coming from or um, thought that it was uh, relevant. And what I was told was, well, we got to be careful that we're not appropriating. I'm like, well, I mean, we're not appropriating because I am from Puerto Rico. This is my culture. And I'm not gonna lie. To, I'm not gonna allow anyone to appropriate. Well, there was a little bit of back and forth there, to the point where, essentially, someone was. This person was telling me what it is that I can or cannot appropriate. Uh, not quite. So that was really frustrating, and that obviously was that that person wasn't fucking listening for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't pretend to know why they weren't listening. I have an idea, and I'll show, share that with you later, but, uh, you know, they're not listening. And in all of that, it just comes off as this person is telling me, well, what is appropriation, what is not? And, and, and it's a white person, and they're telling, trying to regulate me sharing my culture as appropriation. 
Now, I understand that there were other people involved because this is a group of people putting together an event. <clears throat> and the, 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 the argument was brought up to me that this was, well, you know, what if some of the people in the group didn't feel comfortable promoting it because then it'll look like they're appropriating. Well, that may have been a fair argument had we not already had uh, the exchange that we had. Right, going back and forth with this. But at the same time, it's not a fair argument to say that since you have someone on the board that is of the culture and is looking to share that culture, how else are people supposed to be educated? How else are people supposed to know when they're appropriating? Right? It is up to us to that have the opportunity to share along with other people, their culture, that's up to us. So then what is it that this learned behavior comes from? Because that's what it looks like to me. You know, appropriation comes is supposed to be the person of the culture saying, Hey man, you're appropriating my, my culture or misappropriating. Not someone from outside telling you, hey, man, you're appropriating your culture by having me share in it. So there's I was listening to Latino USA and there was an interview with this tap dancer. Um, uh, she's a Puerto Rican in Nigerian, I believe. And um, she said how... She, tap dancing was developed and came about because of drums being uh, made illegal, right? Forbidden for Africans to have. As a matter of fact, it wasn't just some rule. It was made into law. This is the Slave Code of South Carolina, Article 36. This was the, it was called the Negro Act of 1740 and it says it is absolutely necessary to the safety of the providence of the province that all due care be taken that to restrain negroes from using or keeping of drums which may call together or give sign or notice to one another of their wicked design and purpose this was the this is part of the codification of slavery and um and quite frankly, it just feels like it's, uh, it's passed down from generation to generation. Because in this process of going back and forth about what is appropriation, what is not appropriation of my culture, I'm the one proposing to share my culture specifically through an event that in invites people of all cultures to be involved in that experience. So I don't know where this person got it wrong, right? Well, it just made me think that of, of, of some very fundamental questions. You know, one of them is like, who are the, who is the gatekeeper of appropriation, right? Who gets to decide what is appropriation and what is not? Because in that moment, it didn't feel like I was the one. I mean... And, and again, I'm the one sharing my culture. 
right? So who is this? Is, who who is in charge of 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 appropriation? Who is this gatekeeper? How is it that we haven't noticed that appropriation is being used to basically whitewash spaces, right? I mean, perfect example is uh, gentrification. What does it do? I mean, it goes in there because it's such an interesting neighborhood with so much culture and history and all that. And uh, given enough time, um, there's a, usually a misrepresentation of what the culture that existed once was, right? Because people that make up the specialness of a particular neighborhood are pushed out, priced out. And then businesses are run out of business because someone comes in with a bigger investment and a more um, gentrified friendly version of those uh, cultural institutions that exist in communities. Through the lens of what this conversation was and what this exchange was, there's these things like, okay, so because there are people that are not of my culture within this group, then I don't get to share that culture that is part of who I am, right? Because the, the, the idea is that people, the general population, won't understand the difference between, and I guess that's where the Cuban thinking, I don't know where the fucking Cuban thing came on, or maybe just Puerto Ricans and Cubans is all the same, Dominicans is all the same to this person. But the idea being that the general population wouldn't know the difference. And my question to you is, how are they ever going to know the difference if the people, me, of the culture, Puerto Rico, doesn't get to share what the culture is about because someone afraid or using appropriation, cultural appropriation, doesn't want it to be that way. Won't allow it to. But what did I connect with the 1740 Act? The point of bringing it up is how it's been done already, right? Laws have been used to codify uh, what is and is not acceptable. What is not acceptable is things that have rhythm and flavor and color and a very distinct culture that makes people feel good about themselves. And you're not supposed to feel good about yourself because you're a second class citizen. And that's the problem that I have with all of this. It's whenever it says, hey, let's limit what you express because it makes me uncomfortable. However, um, rhythm is universal. So the fact that people uh, rejected it is uh, really pathetic. My point being that when a culture is really distinct, there are things that you can grab out of it in order to castrate it, in order to take away its impact. And we've seen that over and over through the watering down of culture in holidays that don't even belong to, uh, to certain people, right? And, and, you know, we all know Cinco de Mayo, right? But it's whitewashing, essentially is what it is. That law was looking to whitewash. 
And so whenever you are making a statement about appropriation, make sure that you are of that group. If you are not of that group and you are corrected or challenged or explained to or uh, educated with information from a person of the group that you are claiming is being um, appropriated from, then you are required to ask questions. You are required to listen. Otherwise, you're bullshitting yourself. Because you're not bullshitting me. So then, okay, so then we have this exchange going back and forth. And again, what am I feeling and what is it that is going through my head? What's going through my head is, is that whole thing of who gets to tell me when I get to share my culture or not? And in addition to that is the whole point of if I don't ever get to share my culture, then people will remain ignorant. And if people will remain ignorant, they will continue to make these assumptions that Puerto Ricans and Cubans are pretty much the same thing. Because that was one of the comments made during this exchange. And we have vastly different experiences and cultures and points of pride. I mean, that's like saying what's the difference between, you know, Texas pride and, and, and New York pride or Chicago or Vermont or Miami. I mean, it's all the same. People from Miami, people from Texas, same shit. The other part of this that that aggravated me was how this person may have some progressive views and but they're very myopic. Right? And everything is is fine as long as their plight is number 1. Which makes me takes me essentially to my name my one of my assumptions about what this person wanted right so <clears throat> if let's say i'm in a group and multiple females in the group want to have an event that is feminist or let's say female women's march or something along those lines is it my role to take the lead and to tell women what it is that they need and want and what it is appropriate and not appropriate or is it my role to simply support? And that's what I think part of this is. That person wanted to be in the lead, did not want to support anybody, anything that anybody else had to say, and thus the conversation that ensued. Because the prism was, I'm the one that's going to be in charge of this. I'm going to take charge. And mind you, this is, this is you know, people have collaborated before and I have been in a supporting role for quite some time. So it wasn't like I was trying to be in charge of the, the, this event and I had to make it this way. It could be because I've been in a supporting role for quite some time. So it could be the time for me. Maybe not. I'm okay with either one, but I'm not okay with someone so adamant and so determined to be in the lead and therefore crush anything that they don't want 
that no, no, no. I'm not going to put up with that. Because that is the wrong way to have a collaboration. And that's what this group is supposed to be. Collaboration of people putting together their efforts to make shit happen for other people. And so it's, it's such an imperialistic approach. It's such an imperialistic point of view that y you, the white person, gets to tell me what is appropriate and not appropriate within my culture and the way that I decide or want or suggest to share it with others. To people who have this idea that, that Latinos are, are just there for the taking or as a supporting role only, the maid, the bar back, the, uh, the, the bus boy, the construction guy, the bus driver, we definitely make all of that possible. But when thinking of Latinos, you may not think of the owner of one of the best cocktail bars in Texas or one of the main purveyors in the city of large format ice. That's not what you're thinking of, right? You're just thinking of the people that make you look good. But I'm not going to veer off too far with that. But again, who are these gatekeepers? Not of my culture trying to tell me what is and what is not appropriate for me to share. So let me head back to some of my other thoughts, which is media. I don't give a shit if you want to call it liberal media, conservative media. Quite frankly, all media to me is conservative because its own, own major media outlets are owned by large corporations with extremely wealthy people which are very conservative culturally socially you can see how things are skewed most of the time because when talking to a person of color uh, or left-leaning liberal person they'll find the per uh, someone who looks like they didn't finish high school and then whenever they want a conservative point of view, um, not, you know, uh, not a person of color, uh, they look for someone who looks like they finish for your college. So I don't believe in this whole myth of the liberal media media. Now that you know what I think about it has portrayed Latinos a very specific way. We generally don't have a very good education, uh, according to movies and TV. We speak with an accent uh, because this is another way of codifying those people that are outsiders, um, the same as they did with rhythm. Um, this is a way to um, make Latinos more immigrant, which, by the way, as a Puerto Rican, it's interesting that we constantly have this immigrant experience, even though we are Americans and our migration is internal. Our migration is no different than the one that California, Californians are doing right now, moving into Texas. 
we as Puerto Ricans moved from Puerto Rico into the States. We are citizens. But obviously, people see us as uh, other. So the media hasn't helped us at all. And I don't expect it to. But what I do expect is a conversation. And what I do expect is for people to start asking questions before they start imposing uh, their will. If you are of the culture, then you want to properly represent it. If you're not of the culture, then you need to ask questions. And that might be just as simple as taking your statement and turn it into a question. And then listen. As for all of you Latinos, I expect for you to have agency over your space, your culture, yourself. And do not allow the status quo of where you we've been um, pigeonhole you into where you will be. All right, so that is my rant for right now on this particular subject. You know, it, it really took me a minute to uh, to to process all of this because um, it it is a problem and it really just bothered me that that the audacity, right, the imperialistic approach of this person to try to tell me what is and what is not appropriating Puerto Rican culture, knowing that I am a Puerto Rican. Because all of you Puerto Rican know, we let everybody know where we're from. So there's no way in hell this person didn't know. Unless they would actually actively ignore it every time I say it. Which takes a lot of effort. Because you hear everything else I say, but not that one thing. Also, I want to be clear as to why I didn't call out this person by name. First is, I think this is a much bigger topic uh, than that person. Um, and then secondly, I was a private conversation in a group chat where um, it's important to express yourself freely, but they, there has to be uh, boundaries. And when those boundaries are crossed in a way that um, expresses or shows a disregard for or blatant ignorance um, or you know sometimes it could even be an objective right a hidden objective um, then you, you got to talk about those things but also uh, because this is a bigger than that person that's why I was compelled to speak of it publicly um, Normally, the, the, the first thing is I would talk to that person directly um, if it was a misunderstanding. But whenever I see it as a position, um, then that, that takes a different turn. Either way, I think that this is something we have to speak about in a direct uh, manner. All right, so let's move on to my next subject of the night, of the day. 
And that is, um, I'm not going to harp on this too much, but the Rittenhouse uh, verdict. Interesting how so much is being talked about what was self-defense and what wasn't. And I'm not going to get into any controversial space here, but if you watch the video, that whole thing was very chaotic. The, the, the video of the first shooting is really choppy and it's hard to tell what's going on, but in the second one, it's really chaotic. All right. I'm not going to talk about that because what I don't hear enough of on the news is the fact that this kid's mom, this guy's mom, the shooter's mom, however you want to say it, decided that it was a good idea to take her 17-year-old son to a uh, chaotic environment with an assault rifle and gun enthusiasts and 2A over there are going to say, oh, it's a rifle, it's a rifle. No, there's a big difference between a um, a lever action and a uh, something with a magazine of a capacity of 30 or more. You know that. Uh, stop making a stupid argument. Anyhow, the um, she decides that it's a good idea to take her kid, the 17-year-old son, her 17-year-old son, to this environment that is chaotic, uh, and and the guy is armed. Right? What do you think is going to happen? Right, his threshold of, of threat is uh, different than an experienced uh, police officer or um, uh, military uh, personnel, soldier, right? But even before that, think about the fact that it was legal. It, it was what she did was legal. What, what, what kind of what kind of country is this? Now I know that some people are going to argue. Well, you know, seventeen years old, you can you can uh, join the military. Yeah, and what happens in the military? You spend between six and thirteen weeks in basic training where they're they're making you cry every night. Well, I mean, some people do, and you're being broken down so you can be be uh, built back up, right? building character is what some people refer it to as but the point is is you go through this um, experience that it becomes a shared experience by a bunch of people um, in, in that basic training class and you are taught a way of doing things very very specific right because in the military you have no choice you do things the way that the regulation says you do it and then you have orders Right, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about just a mom taking her son, seventeen years old, across state uh, lines, into an environment that is chaotic, potentially violent. Not just that, but then the police, because he had interactions with the police, then the police are there, and they don't think anything bad of it. I mean, any grown-ass man could have looked at that guy and, and say, "Is like, man, that's a high school kid. Right? 
But, you know, police officers in Kenosha thought that it was fine. His mom thought that it was fine. The law says that there was nothing illegal with, with, with uh, what he did. The law says that it was fine, too. And yet, that's... Haven't been... Haven't heard much of that, right? It's all about the self-defense, self-defense, self-defense. You know? It's... Uh, I think they're asking the wrong questions. Because, again, you look at that video, that shit was chaotic. Alright, so that is it for this show. I hope that this was uh, thought-provoking. I hope that it raised some questions for you to to ponder and uh, and think about. You know, the, the restaurant and bar industry, we've always been told to be neutral in all things. But uh, today, society, um, you know, you, you have to uh, make a stand uh, of some sort, right? You have to, to be able to uh, allow yourself to be heard to exercise your agency. It may not always be pretty, but uh, as adults, as the adult in the room, this is uh, what we must do. So remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and keep the conversation going.